Well, hey, I want to start the message this weekend. I'm really grateful to be able to be uh, sharing God's Word with you this weekend by asking you a question. How many of you have ever experienced the horrible feeling of being terribly lost before? Okay, yeah, so I, uh, I grew up in um, the great city of Jacksonville, Florida. I wanted to show you a picture of the downtown area, and uh, I love my hometown. Grew up there for, um, you know, it was like 20-something years of my life before I moved up to New York. It's a wonderful place. And you may not know this fun fact about Jacksonville. It's actually the largest city in the entire contiguous United States, as far as land size is concerned. Um, I wanted to show you a map just kind of showing, uh, that's Duval County, and Jacksonville city lines take up the entirety of Duval County. There's a highway called I-295 that kind of circles the center of the city, and it takes over an hour to drive around that, okay? 747 square miles. There's like four cities that are bigger than Jacksonville, but they're all in Alaska, so I don't really count that. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's really awesome. But one of the things that uh, we had in Jacksonville was this thing called the, uh, the Magnet Program, and uh, it was kind of this public education initiative to bring really good schools to the center of town so that regardless of where you lived in the city, you'd be able to get to the center of town and be able to go to those really uh, good schools. So I went to one of those schools when I was uh, in middle school, and, and two of the things that were really awesome about that was you had... Um, uh, you had a, a really good education, and you got to meet people from all over your city. But the two things that were horrible about that is that the bus rides were really, really long, and uh, group projects were an absolute nightmare, okay? So you can imagine you're getting together, your teacher says that we need to do a group project, and it's possible that you could be in a group with people that live all over the city. And so I had one of these times when I'm in seventh grade, I'm 12 years old, and I'm like, Mom, I have to drive all the way to the west side of town. And uh, we lived out um, at the beach there, and so it takes like an hour to get there. And you're like, Pastor Matt, why is that such a big deal? Well, we did not have smartphones back in the day, so trying to get directions to places was a little bit more difficult. And uh, we had to go to mapquest.com, and I had to print out these uh, long list of directions to, uh, to this place and uh, navigate my poor mother to the other side of the city. So we were driving over the course of the city, and what do you know? I'm 12 years old, and uh, I don't even know how to match my own clothes, and we get horribly lost, right? So we get lost trying to go over to, the, uh, to my friend's house to do this group project, and I start panicking and freaking out and wonder, like, what's my life going to end up like? I'm going to fail college. I'm going to fail this class. I'm going to have to live at home for the rest of my life with my parents. This is horrible, right? And all these things start, like, flooding through your mind, and uh, it's a horrible feeling, right? Being lost, it is a terrible, terrible feeling. So you have this 12-year-old version of me that's just having a panic attack. But feeling lost can create a lot of emotions and feelings in your life. It can create anxiety and worry. It can make your mind go a million different directions, start thinking about worst-case scenarios, you start blaming other people, and you get uh, really angry about stuff. It can just start to really weigh on your heart, this feeling of getting lost. And life seems to create this feeling a lot, doesn't it? And it doesn't have to just be with directions, right? You can feel lost in a lot of different things, like your marriage, in uh, your life path, uh, when it comes to relationships with other people, and even your relationship with God, you can feel lost. Isn't that right? You can feel lost. So wouldn't it be nice if we could have something in our lives that could give us directions in every single situation, something that could show us the way when we're unsure, give us clarity whenever we needed it. Stuff seems like it was cloudy. I think that the, the rise of like these artificial intelligence devices like Alexa, Google Home and stuff, it kind of speaks to this desire that we all have inside of us to have something that's right there that could answer any question, give us any sort of uh, direction that we could need right at a moment's notice, right? We want that. 
And I, I know that this is something that uh, uh, we desire. It helps us fix uh, this feeling of being lost in many of life's situations. And listen, I love my iPhone. I love Siri. But there's one thing that she cannot do is uh, give me meaningful direction in life, right? And I, I tested this theory this week by asking Siri, what is the meaning of life? And she said, 42. I was like, what? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You're useless, right? But the, uh, the Bible does tell us clearly that God sees that we have this desire inside of us. He sees that we have a desire for direction. I want you to listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. It says, when he, speaking about Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. One of the other ways you could kind of translate this word is that they felt lost. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So there's this huge crowd that's following Jesus for this exact reason, because they feel lost, right? So you see that Jesus senses their need. He wanted to do something about it. He wanted to fix their lostness. So what did he do? He rescued them from their sins and gave them the Holy Spirit as a gift. And guess what? He does that for us too, right? So that's what we've been talking about in this series called More, a series on the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about uh, so far that God wants to do more and be in more of our lives. And that starts by entering into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead three days later so that we could have a relationship with God if we put our faith and trust in him alone. And that is the only thing in this universe that can fix your lostness, right? It's the only thing. Jesus made a way for that to happen. And so when we enter into that relationship, the Bible tells us that God gives his spirit to every single believer. I just want to point your attention to a couple verses that we've talked about over the course of this series, the last couple weeks. Uh, Romans 8, chapter 9, it uh, says, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Wow. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God. If you don't have the Spirit of God in your life, you can't be a believer because God says that is what seals you as a Christian. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. And last weekend, Pastor Robbie shared with us about the Holy Spirit being our helper, right? The Holy Spirit of God gives us help. Isn't that awesome? He helps us in so many different ways. And one of the ways that we talked about last week was that the Spirit of God gives us direction, how he's our counselor and advisor. He reminds us of truth, leads us to truth. He speaks to us. But we asked the question last week, how exactly does that happen? How does he do that? And that's what we're going to answer this week. And so let's, uh, let's talk about that together this weekend. Through the Holy Spirit, God wants to give us more direction for our lives. You ready? Okay. Now, as we begin talking about this, I just want us to realize something, and, and you may already be aware of this, but there's a lot of Christians that are pretty hesitant about the Spirit of God. Isn't that true? There's a lot of Christians that are very hesitant about the Spirit of God and being led by Him. This idea of getting direction from the Spirit of God is almost like freaky to people, right? And uh, one pastor even referred to the Holy Spirit as the forgotten God because this is such a tendency for us as Christians. And honestly, it amazes me that there are so many Christians that are almost like proud of this hesitancy, right? They're almost proud of the fact that they're hesitant of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of us that are maybe quick to like criticize or even mock people that say that they receive direction from the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I understand that maybe sometimes that's attempted to be phrased as discerning, but oftentimes what's phrased as discerning is really just being closed off 
to the work of God in your life. Uh, I, wanted, I want you to listen to something that Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He's a pastor of a really conservative church in England back in the 20th century uh, who passed away back in, I believe it was in the 1980s. So he says, there is no question that God's people can look for and expect leadings, guidance, or indications of what they are meant to do. Men have been told throughout church history by the Holy Spirit to do something. They knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking to them, and it transpired that it was obviously his leading. So it seems clear to me that if we're denying that possibility, we are again guilty of quenching the Spirit. So what I want to say to you is don't throw away the Spirit of God just because some people abuse him, right? Just because some people abuse this idea of being led, don't throw away spirit. All of this is just a tactic of the enemy to keep us from experiencing what God has for us in our lives, right? The spirit of of God changes us. It drastically changes our life. The enemy knows that, and uh, he wants to do whatever it takes to get us away from it. One of the ways that that shows up is by some of us buying into this lie that being led by the Holy Spirit is almost like extra or for the super spiritual people, right? But I think that that is, again, a, a, a desire of the enemy to keep us from experiencing God's work in our life. And I want you to write this down. Being led by the Spirit of God is not meant to be extra, but normal, right? Being led by the Spirit of God is not meant to be extra. It is meant to be normal. And if you don't believe me, let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So if you are a child of God, you should be being led by the Spirit of God. Amen? You should be being led by the Spirit of God. And the enemy makes Bible-believing Christians afraid of being led by the Spirit. Why? Because he knows how powerful it is when you are being led by the Spirit of God. Changes things. Changes your life drastically. So some of us, I really think, are running around like chickens with our heads cut off. We're trying so hard to go through this life when maybe you don't have to try so hard. Because you have the Spirit of God in you to give you direction. So today, I want to talk about the three areas that I think will help us understand how the Spirit of God speaks to us and directs us. And the first, I think, is the simplest, but it is really important for us to understand. So number one, the, the Spirit of God speaks to us and directs us daily. The Spirit of God speaks to us and directs us daily. We can't skip over this, Okay. We have to understand that this is reality, that God can and should be leading and directing your life every single day. You know, one of the things Pastor Robbie mentioned in one of the previous messages was that there is no greater time in history for us to be living than right now. And why is that? It's because of the way that the Holy Spirit of God interacts with us in today's day and time. And there's a lot of things that we could say about that, but I just want to kind of boil it down for us here. And so you'll see uh, this on the screen as well. In the Old Testament, what we see is the Holy Spirit interacting with special believers at special times in special places, okay? Special believers at special times and in special places circumstances, all right? So that affirms that God has always been working, he's always been speaking to his people and leading his people, but it is notably different than how it is today. So what do we see today? We see that today the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer, in every moment, and in every circumstance. That's awesome, right? In every moment, in every uh, believer, and in every circumstance. Sometimes we say things like, oh man, I wish I could be back in David's time, that would be really cool, I wish I could go talk to Noah. They wish they were here, they wish they had the Spirit of God, I'm telling you. They looked forward, and, and, and I really do. I believe that if they were in our shoes today, they would say, you guys got it made. Like, we, we saw the pillar of cloud by day and, 
and uh, the fire by night, like sometimes, right? You guys got the Spirit of God in you every day and every moment, every circumstance. That's awesome. Well, we miss it. That We miss that a lot. But uh, because of Jesus, we have this direct access to God. God lives in us. He uses his Spirit in us to speak to us every single day. And because of that, you can be led by God's Spirit daily. So the verse that we're going to kind of root a lot of what we're saying in this particular point is found in Galatians 5. So I want us to look at that together in Galatians 5.25. We're going to look at a few translations of this verse so we can kind of get a fuller picture of what's uh, being meant here. And what I want you to do is pay close attention to some of the different wordings in these translations, okay? So Galatians 5.25 in the New American Standard says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. The uh, English Standard Version, the ESV, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, okay? So pay attention to how this is kind of like developing and rounding out this idea here. In the uh, NET Bible, which is a, a, a translation that was put together by a group of professors at a really big seminary down in Texas, uh, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also behave in accordance with the Spirit, and then the NLT says, uh, since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, to follow the Spirit. What is the Apostle Paul getting at here? What's he getting at? What he's saying in these verses is that since the Spirit of God was the one who led us to our new life in Christ, he should be the one that is leading us in our new lives in Christ, right? Right? He was the one who led us to the new life that you and I have in Jesus Christ. So he should be the same person that leads us every day in our new life in Christ. What he's saying is that step by step, a Christian's walk should conform or mold to the Spirit's direction. Now, how many of you have ever uh, been snowshoeing before? I think that there's quite a few of you that maybe do that kind of around our, our area. Well, my... Uh, my wife and I, when we were dating, I went to go visit her and her family in Canada. That's where she's from. And I did it around Christmas time, okay? So this is the first time I was in Canada. I'm from Florida. And uh, I, the very first time I'd ever been to Canada before we went in the winter. So you know how that went. And <laughs> I was there six days, and it snowed four feet during those six days. It was magnificent. We have not been back since, okay? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love the snow. It was, it was really fun. So Maggie took me snowshoeing. Uh, for the first time. And if you've ever gone with another person before, you know that there's, there's two ways, right, that you can walk uh, with that person. You can either walk side by side, or you can have one person leading and the other person following, right? And uh, especially when you're walking in the deep snow, the thing that is much better to do, much easier to do, is have one person lead and the other person follow. Why? Because walking side by side forces both people to be trudging through the snow and to be creating their own tracks, right? But if you have one person leading, the other person following, the person in the front is doing the hard work, and the person in the back only has to step on top of the trail that has already been led, right? So keeping in step with the Spirit is kind of like this. It's kind of like following someone's tracks in the snow. There is a trail that has already been laid out for us, and all we have to do is keep in step with what has been laid out. That's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. So this brings out a couple points for us to pay attention to, right? The first thing is that the Spirit of God is going places, and we need to go with Him, amen? He's going places, and we need to go with Him. Walking in the Spirit, being led by Him daily, implies 
movement, that we are not stagnant, because if the Holy Spirit lives in us, we should expect that, right? We should expect that uh, God is going to move, and it's important to understand that God steers moving ships, okay? If you want God's direction for your life, we have to move. And the second thing to understand, uh, just kind of thinking about this idea of keeping in step with the Spirit, is that in order to do that, in order to keep in step with the Spirit, you have to submit to His direction, right? You have to say yes to where He says He's going, because you could just blaze your own trail if you wanted to, but that's really hard to do in life. And I think a lot of us do that, and a lot of us end up saying, all right, God, this is much more difficult than I anticipated. I'm just going to come back and do what you say, right? So we have to say yes to where he is going because if we don't, we're going to end up in deep snow, all right, to put it lightly. Uh, We need the Lord. Isn't that true? We need the Lord. So don't miss this. The call to keep in step with the Spirit is not a call to try really hard to keep up with him. It's actually a call to trust really deep, okay? It's a call to trust really deep. It's not this like passive trust, though. It's It's an active trust that leads to following through obedience, okay, at the root of all this, walking in the Spirit, being led by Him daily, it is, it is a deep trust in the Spirit of God. If you want to receive God's direction for your life, you have to trust Him. If you want to receive God's direction for your life, you have to trust Him. That is a key to unlocking the direction that God wants to give to you. So let's look at a couple verses here that really point that out for us. Psalm 25, uh, verses 8 and 9, it says, good and upright is the Lord. Amen? He's good. We serve a really good God. Therefore, because he's good, because he's upright, he instructs even sinners in the way. There's this general grace that God gives to people that he allows them, even if they don't love him and even if they're not following him, he gives them a general path to life. Isn't that awesome? Before you and I ever have a relationship with God, he shows us that there is a better way to do life than the opposite, right? But he also says in the second part of this, that he leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble what? His way. Whoa, okay. So there's something different that God has. He has the way, and he has his way, okay? Don't you want his way, right? There's this general path that he gives, but it's only for the ones who trust in him that get his way. There's the secret sauce that God has for us, right? That humility and trust unlock, and it's awesome, Another verse that you see on a lot of coffee mugs is uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight, or some uh, versions say direct your paths, right? So there's this intrinsic connection between trust and direction that God wants to give to us. There's a, a man by the name of Watchman Nee who wrote this great book called The Normal Christian Life. Now, this is what the normal Christian life is supposed to look like. It's a great book. A mentor of mine has uh, given out to a lot of people. And uh, this is what Watchman Nee says about walking in the Spirit. He says, walking in the Spirit means that I trust the Holy Spirit to do in me what I cannot do myself. Hold on a second. Are you trusting in yourself to do what only God can do? Because that won't get us anywhere, right? Walking in the Spirit means that I trust Him to do in me what I cannot do myself. This life is completely different from the life that I would naturally live by myself. Isn't that true? Each time I'm faced with a new demand from the Lord, I look to Him to do in me what He requires of me. It's not a case of trying, but trusting. And again, humility and trust are at the root of so many spiritual principles. And really, when we're talking about the Spirit's direction, we're talking about the will of God, right? 
It's what he wants for our lives. And God has a plan for your life every single day. Every day when you wake up, he's got something for you to do. Isn't that good? He's not this like cosmic entity that just throws you into the midst of stuff and says, figure it out, right? He's with us every day and he leads us every day. He's got stuff for us to do. And when I was younger, I heard a lot of people talking about uh, the will of God for my life and I was really often misunderstood. I kind of had this idea that the will of God was about the three or four really big decisions that you had to make in your life, like who am I going to marry, what job am I going to have, where am I going to live, right? That's what a lot of us tend to think about the will of God. But God's shown me that his will is so much more than that. He does have desires for those big things, sure. But his will also reaches into the thousands of decisions that we make every day, which means I need to be seeking him daily, right? I need to be seeking him daily. So how do you discern that? How do you discern that? How do you figure out what God wants you to do? How do you figure out uh, if it's God who's telling you to do something? Well, we're going to talk about that here. Uh, this, uh, this evening. So later on in the series, we'll get into more detail about what exactly God is trying to accomplish in his will, but just suffice it to say that he wants to make you more like Jesus, right? That's what God wants to do. So the Spirit leads us and directs us daily. It can happen. It should happen. But what does that daily leading look like? That's what we're going to focus on for the rest of the message, which brings us to the second area that helps us understand how the Spirit of God speaks to us and directs us. The Spirit of God speaks to us and directs us mysteriously. Ooh. Okay. Pastor Matt, I didn't know you were going to go there. It's a little freaky. I was doing okay until you said mysterious, but now I'm not so sure. What do you mean by that? What should it feel like? Should I hear a voice, get goosebumps? If I don't feel those things, am I not walking with God? Are you going to tell us to like wake up, do yoga, meditate until I hear a voice, and then go and do whatever the voice tells me after my yoga? No, I'm definitely not going to tell you to do yoga. It's too much stretching. Okay? It's too much. So what does it mean? I am not flexible. <laughs> okay, it's horrible. So listen, friends, as I said before, uh, the enemy tries really, really hard to make us afraid and hesitant of the Spirit's leading. But you don't have to be afraid. You do not have to be afraid. It is not as mystical as you might think, at least not in the way that people traditionally maybe think about that. Okay, so let's look at a verse together that uh, shows a little bit of what we're talking about. It's in John chapter 3 where Jesus is speaking with a religious leader about what it means to be born again. And in this verse, Jesus mentions what it looks like for someone to be born in the Spirit. Basically, what does it look like for someone who has new life in Christ to be led by the Spirit of God? And this is what Jesus says. This is interesting. In John 3 verse 8, he says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And most of us don't really think about this whenever we think about being led by the Spirit uh, or, or when we think about the wind even. But Jesus says that the wind should give us some indication about what being led by the Spirit is like. So what is that? Wind is something that you can feel but you can't quite predict, right? Wind is something that you can feel but you can't quite figure it out. And the same thing's true about the Spirit's work and feeling. There's parts of his daily leading that you can recognize and understand. And then there's also parts that are beyond our ability to understand. I want you to listen to what uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, those who have received the Holy Spirit are aware of a power dealing with them and working in them. There's this disturbance, something, someone interfering in our lives. We're going along, and suddenly we are arrested and pulled up and find ourselves different. There is a disturbance, an interruption to the normal, ordinary tenor of life. Isn't that true? Can you sense that? 
God is working in your life. Isn't it true that God interrupts you sometimes? Like, God, I'm just trying to do my thing. And then God says, "Uh uh-uh. And he just comes in like a gust of wind, and he interrupts what we are trying to do. He's working in our lives, but the reality is that we're not always aware of the ways that he is doing that. We cannot predict or dictate what he is going to do because we are not in charge. There's an element of God's work that is invisible and impossible to detect with our senses. So what we're really saying when we're talking about the work of the Spirit of God being mysterious is this, that the leading of the Spirit of God cannot be boiled down to an exact formula. There's an element of the Spirit's leading that's kind of hard to explain. And I I honestly think all of us would kind of just prefer the uh, exact formula. I would. I would really prefer the exact formula. But what happens when we try to force that to be the case is that we completely remove the element of trust, right? We completely remove the element of trust. And we just talked about that, that trust is essential to unlocking God's direction for your life. Faith is a key part of our lives as Christians, right? We have to walk by faith. So if we don't recognize and accept that there is this mystery to the leading of the Holy Spirit, a couple things are going to happen. We will either boil God's work down to a formula that will make us miss what he's doing, or we will elevate our own perception of God's work to such a level that is very unhealthy. And that is not good. You cannot remove the fact that there's an element of mystery in our walk with God. So when you look all throughout the New Testament, there's a lot of examples uh, of how exactly he was doing that mysteriously. You'll discover that there are a lot of ways, specifically in the book of Acts, that he led and guided his people that were often unexplainable, right? So I want to show you a couple of those examples just to give us this idea that he is working in uh, dynamic and kind of mysterious ways sometimes. We won't have time to read all the passages, but I will give you the references uh, just so you can check them out later. So Acts 16, verses 8 through 10, the Spirit of God guided Paul through a dream to a country he had never been to and to a person he had never met. Okay, that's interesting, right? And in Acts 16, verses 6 through 7, the Spirit of God prevented Paul and Silas from preaching the gospel in a certain area, but we're not told exactly how that happened. We're not told exactly how he prevented them from doing that. In Acts 10.10, the Spirit tells Peter not to fear the Roman soldiers. Okay, Spirit, there's these Roman soldiers. I'm a Jewish person. They hate me. They just killed my Messiah. I won't fear them. Sure, right? They came to his house, and the Spirit of God said to go with them wherever they wanted to take him. All right, are you sure? (laughs) They wanted to take him to a place where somebody was open to hearing about the gospel. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how this was all made clear to Peter, though. It was kind of mysterious. In Acts 8, 29, uh, the Spirit of God told Philip to go stand near a stranger in a chariot. How exactly was that communicated to him? We're not told. But the guy got saved, right? It was awesome. And in Acts chapter 5, verses uh, 3, 4, and uh, 9, Ananias and Sapphira, they presented an offering to the disciples, and the Holy Spirit tells the apostle Peter that they are lying to God about their offering. How did that happen? Was it a small voice in Peter's heart? Was it the strong sense that he received? We don't exactly know how he said it, but that he said it is beyond question. Either way, parents, wouldn't you like to have that? The Holy Spirit telling you when your kids are lying to you? That would be kind of awesome. (laughs) It would kind of freak them out. But in all these instances, the work of the Holy Spirit was dynamic and mysterious. Dynamic and mysterious. There was not an exact formula that allowed for the disciples to fully understand what God was doing. And sometimes they were able to see the reason why God was doing what he was doing after the fact, but there was also plenty of other times that it remained a mystery to them. God said, do this, 
They listened, and it led them away from a place that they thought they were supposed to go. It remained mysterious. There was an element of trust that they had to maintain. And if you think about it, that's a really good thing, right, that God is that way. Because he's bigger than what we can bring together, right, in our minds. He's bigger than algorithms and formulas. We cannot reduce him to just a set of mathematical equations, right? And because if we could, he wouldn't really be worshiping worth worshiping, right, that much. But God is much bigger. So here's the beauty of all this mystery, though, and I think that this will help us to maybe round out what we're saying here. The beauty of all this mystery is that the mystery of the Spirit of God will never contradict the things that he's made clear, okay? All the things that the Spirit of God has made clear to us, the mystery will never contradict that, which we'll talk about more in a few minutes. So in these verses, there's a lot of stuff that we mentioned that we could talk about, but I just want to mention a few things that we can look into that I think will help us know how to recognize the Holy Spirit's voice and mysterious leading uh, in our lives. And the first of those things is the unique giftings of the Spirit, the giftings of the Spirit, otherwise known as spiritual gifts, okay? So at the moment of salvation, every believer receives what the Bible calls spiritual gifts, which in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 are referred to as manifestations of the Spirit. It's how the Spirit shows himself off is by gifting us, right? And in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, uh, this is what it says here. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And what these verses are bringing out here to us and later on in the chapter as well is that there's not this exact science to how the Spirit of God distributed these gifts to us, right? We're not told which type of people are going to get which type of gifts. We're just told that the Spirit of God is going to give them to us and that we should pursue them. We should pursue them. So here's what I mean And here's what I really want us to focus on here. You can know more of what God wants from you and how he's leading you by getting to know how he's gifted you. It's important. It's important to understand how the Spirit of God has gifted you. And the reason why it's mysterious is because these gifts are something that need to be discovered and affirmed in your life. We don't often know what they are right away, but they're really important to be able to receive God's direction for our lives. One of my mentors, he even went so far as to say that your spiritual gifts are the roadmap for your life the roadmap for your life. That's really big. Why? Because God gives you gifts that he wants you to use, right? God gives you gifts that he wants you to use, ways that he especially empowered you by his spirit to, ser- to serve others in a, uh, a, an unusually effective way, right? It's awesome how God really especially empowers people. And I kind of often describe it as the difference between like a trophy and a tool, Right? God does not necessarily give you trophy gifts that you just like hang out on the shelf and stare at. Wow, that's really amazing. Wow, cool. God gives you tool gifts, stuff that he puts in your hand that you can use, you can build stuff, right? He says that it is for the manifestation of the Spirit, for the common good of what? The church. He gives it to you for a purpose. Now, one thing we have to be careful of, because I think this is a temptation for some of us, is once we find out our gifts, we may be tempted to decide that we're only going to serve in those ways. Don't do that okay? We, we cannot pigeonhole ourselves into what we uh, believe God has gifted us in. So don't go online, take like a vague spiritual gifts test, and then decide you're only going to serve the Lord in those ways. I am only a kid's ministry person, right? Don't do that. And the reason for that is because uh, all throughout the New Testament, most of the spiritual gifts are also given as general commands for the entire 
group. The whole group, right? What do I mean by that? There's a gift of service, but you're also called to serve. We're commanded to do it. There's a gift of giving, but we're all commanded to give. There's a gift of exhortation or encouragement, but every single one of us are commanded to encourage one another. So all of this is simply to say that we should pay attention to how God has uniquely uh, shaped us and molded us in order to receive his direction for our lives. So we'll be talking a little bit more about spiritual gifts later on in the series, and I think that will be really helpful. But another part of this as it relates to gifting, I think is uh, something we could call spirit-given talents, right? So not all of us maybe know our spiritual gifts, but you know what you are naturally gifted in, right? Your talents, your abilities, your passions, and we should be paying attention to those types of things. If you have this feeling of the pleasure of God in you when you do something, you should pay attention to that, right? Why? Because God was supernaturally over your creation process, We've talked about that before. God doesn't make mistakes. He's intentional in every single thing that he does. And I think it's interesting to note that the very first time in the entire scriptures that someone is described as being filled with a spirit, it was not a pastor, it was not a preacher, it was an artist. Painter, okay? A builder. That's the very first time that the spirit of God filled someone in the scriptures. So he's created each of us with talents, passions, abilities, and he values those things. So whatever it is that you have, Pay attention to that because the Spirit of God wants to use those things in your life to lead you. Some other ways that I think the Holy Spirit of God does mysteriously lead us have to do with how he speaks to our hearts, right? And maybe this is what you're more familiar with. And so what are some of those things that he does speak to our hearts and how does he do that? He does it through specific burdens in prayer, specific burdens in prayer. The Spirit of God helps to direct and lead our prayer lives. As we pray, the Spirit of God can lead us to thoughts and burdens of what to pray for. Have you ever just like been sitting down and you go to pray and God just, for whatever reason, unnaturally wants you to focus in on one specific person, right? You were not thinking about them. Maybe you haven't even seen them in a long time, but it is obvious that as you went to pray, God is putting that person on your heart. I have had times when friends will text me super late at night I've not talked to these people in a long time. And they say, hey, God just laid you on my heart. I want to pray for you about this specific thing. And they had no clue what I was going through earlier that day. But I was going through that thing that they were praying for. And that's encouraging because what does that tell me? It tells me God is paying attention, right? God knows what you are dealing with. And he is working in the church in ways that we do not even know. He is working in ways that we don't even know. It's awesome. It's really, really awesome. And I'm so glad that they, they do reach out because it showed me that reality. So the next time God gives you that urge to pray for someone, do it, okay? Pray for them. Because you don't know what they're dealing with. You may never find out, but God is at work in ways that you may never even understand, but you can be involved in. And that's amazing. It's really, really amazing. I think about Acts chapter 12. They were praying for Peter to get released from prison, and without them even realizing it, an angel had already come and released them, and he was knocking at the door. It's really cool. And I think God wanted them to be involved uh, through that. There's a verse that a lot of us probably have uh, paid attention to in regards to the Holy Spirit and prayer. It's in Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 26 and 27. It says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he searches. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There's other times in prayer when we don't even really know 
what to pray, right? We don't know what to pray. We're unclear about our circumstances, our feelings. And because the Spirit of God is God, He knows all things, He is able to take these unclear emotions and groanings that we have, we bring before the Lord. He's able to take what is unclear to us and make it clear. These things that are unclear to us and make it clear. Now, we don't see any of that happening. It's all behind the scenes. So what do you do when you're in that spot? When you are unclear about something, you're bringing it before the Lord, you know that God's clear about it, what do you do? When you're unclear about something, but you're bringing that before the Lord in prayer, you're supposed to obey what you do know, right? While you wait on the Lord to work behind the scenes. If you're unclear about something, you're not sure what you're supposed to do, obey the truth that you do know and allow God to work behind the scenes. Does that make sense? It's good for us to, uh, to think about that, that way. And, and I think it's important to note that it is all, of course, in the context of seeking him daily, right? The third thing that uh, God does, I think, to speak to our heart is what I call holy hunches. Leanne got a kick out of this when I told her this this week. Holy hunches. Holy hunches, Batman, right? I don't know. She just thought it was a funny, funny phrase. But this is a way of saying that God is laying something on your heart about a person or a situation uh, and is urging you to do something about it. So maybe that's sharing the gospel with a stranger. I don't know this person, but it's pretty obvious that the Holy Spirit is telling me I need to share the gospel with them right now. And maybe it's encouraging someone, sending them a text. You know that God's laying somebody on your heart and God wants you to reach out to them and encourage them. You don't know why, but you have this hunch that God is telling you, I need to do this right now. You know what I'm talking about? And I think another way that he does that is maybe giving somebody money, right? I had a missionary friend of mine. This was wild. Um, a missionary friend of mine, he broke his computer, as so many of us sometimes do. And uh, he did not have the money to be able to buy a new computer. And uh, he's a missionary in, uh, in Georgia. And that day, one of his missionary uh, supporters called him and said, Hey, not sure why, but the Lord just laid it on my heart to buy you a new laptop. So I want to do that. So tell me what you need, and I'll buy that. What? That's awesome, right? That's really, really cool. So are you paying attention to those hunches in your spirit? Maybe, just maybe, that's the Lord trying to speak to you and to tell you what he wants you to do. And again, this mystery will not ever contradict what is clear, right? The fourth thing is godly ambitions, Godly ambitions that he uses to speak to your heart. So sometimes God gives you this burning passion for something that's really specific, something that uh, you have a strong urge to do that's good that you did not want to do before and maybe naturally would never want to do. Stuff like caring for the homeless or foster care and adoption, sponsoring needy children, counseling people with addictions, crisis pregnancy center ministry, evangelizing on pe un unreached people groups, fighting sex trafficking. There's so many things, right? that God could give you as a specific burden. Maybe there's a ministry in our church that needs to be developed and God's put, you, uh, put that thing on your heart to help it, right? If God's put that burning and passion inside of your heart, maybe you should do something about that. I, I really appreciated our men's group uh, this past March um, and the previous year saying, we wanna get a bunch of diapers for the Open Arms Pregnancy Center. That was a godly ambition that they had. God had put that on their heart and they responded to the Holy Spirit speaking to them in that way, even though it was a little bit mysterious. All right, God, I'm not really sure why you need this, but the Open Arms Pregnancy Center may have been down to their last box of diapers. And New Hope came in, 5,000 diapers, woo, right? 
That's awesome. And we, we are so thankful for that. But God gives you those ambitions and he speaks to your heart in those ways because maybe he wants you to be the part of the church that works in that area, right? And then the last uh, part of this is uh, the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts by a sense of strong peace. And I put in parentheses, sometimes, right? Sometimes. You might have heard someone say something like, I don't do something until I pray and have peace about it. And Philippians 4, 7 does say that there's a connection between uh, God's peace that he gives to you through prayer. The Holy Spirit of God can use that peace to speak to you and confirm decisions for you. But if you're an analytical person like me, right, this is a hard one to be led by sometimes because it doesn't matter if you're deciding, you know, what house to buy or which grocery store to go to, you analyze everything to the point of almost being paralyzed about it, right? And anytime you make a decision, you just naturally have discomfort in your soul because you just double-guess everything that you're doing. No decision ever feels peaceful. So what do you do if you're like me in that situation? You obey the truth, trust God, move on, right? Obey the truth, trust God, move on. Don't let analysis paralyze you, okay? And then on the opposite end, sometimes there's this good sense of discomfort, right? You might have heard someone say something like, I don't do something because I am, mis- or I do something because I'm miserable not doing it. You ever heard someone say that before? I'm miserable not doing this thing. If you don't share the gospel with somebody when the Holy Spirit's obviously leading you to do so, doesn't that cause discomfort in your heart? There's both of these, I think, show that this is not a formula, Right? God can sometimes lead you through giving peace to your heart, and he can sometimes be speaking to you and moving you by giving you discomfort. That was not the burrito you had for lunch, right? <laughs> okay. It, sometimes he gives you this discomfort inside of your soul that is supposed to lead you to do something that is godly. So a good question to ask yourself when you're not sure, is this God speaking to me? Ask yourself this question. Does this look like something that God would lead his people to do or that God would do himself? Now, careful. Right? Because you pretty much always want to have a clear verse. But if you don't have a clear verse, you need to have a clear principle that's based in the wisdom of God's word. Right? And I would just encourage you, okay, none of these are absolute by any, by any means. Uh, but I think that these are some ways to sense God speaking to your heart. And I would, again, encourage you to hold on to these things kind of loosely. Because honestly, even when we think we're being really sensitive to the spirit of God, sometimes we're just flat out wrong. We're just wrong. I feel like the Lord led me to do this. And then you realize afterwards, he did not, right? He obviously did not lead me to do that. So again, there's this certain mystery about the Spirit's leading, but that doesn't mean that we can't have clarity either. You can have clarity about God's direction for your life. And that's what we're going to finish our time together this weekend talking about, is that you can, by the Holy Spirit of God, receive his direction with clarity. He speaks to you and leads you clearly, Clearly, he does. So how does the Holy Spirit speak to us and lead us clearly? There's three things I want to mention uh, here. Is Number one, the most important, is that he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his word. The book of Hebrews tells us that while God spoke in past times in various ways and, and various measures, that today he speaks primarily through his son and through his word. Through his son and through his word. So how can we, with clarity, perceive the voice of the Holy Spirit? Answer Daily double. No, just kidding. The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God. How do you clearly perceive the voice of the Holy Spirit? The Word of God. That's where God has given us absolute clarity. It's an immovable standard that helps us to know truth with 
certainty. As believers, his word is our primary guide. That's why Psalm 119, verse 105, says that your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. When I feel dark in my life, when I feel lost, God's word is there to light my way. One pastor put it this way. If you want to hear from the Spirit of God, open your Bible. Okay? If you want to hear from the Spirit of God, open your Bible. What God wants is revealed to us in God's word. And there's even several verses that specifically say, this is the will of God for your life. Billboards, right? Can't miss it. So pay attention to those. Pay attention to those verses. It's pretty clear. And I think it's important to note uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think it is important to note that the Word of God and the Spirit of God do have a special relationship together. It's actually through the ministry of the Spirit that the Word of God came about. And it's through the Holy Spirit that the Word of God has a daily impact on our lives. So how did the Bible come about through the ministry of the Spirit? The Holy Spirit of God inspired or revealed the, uh, the Word of God. The Bible's inspired by the Spirit of God. It's really His composition it's really his composition. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says that all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for a lot of things, teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. So what does it mean that scripture is inspired? It literally means, that Greek word literally means God breathed. God breathed. So what's the idea there? The same way that God breathed life into Adam as the first human being, he used his spirit to breathe life into his word. He used his spirit to breathe life into his word. That's what Hebrews 4.12 tells us. The word of God is living and active, right? So these scriptures are perfect. They are complete, sufficient for every good work, not lacking anything. So if you're, you know, a thinker, uh, you may be thinking, well, what about those human people that were kind of involved in the writing of the holy word of God that you so speak of? What about those people? Well, the Bible tells us exactly how the Word of God can be using human authors and still remain perfect and infallible. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, it says, Know this first of all. This is a human being writing this. He says, Know this first of all. No prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. You cannot come to the Scripture and say, This is what I want this to mean for my life. It has a meaning that was given to it by God. And we have to figure out what that is, right? So this, this writer, Peter, he says, no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. Another way of saying that last phrase is that they were carried along. So what does that mean? It means that, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you first what it doesn't mean. It, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit overruled or canceled out their personalities. The Holy Spirit actually utilized the personality of the, the, these human authors and brought it together to where their personalities could glorify God as they were writing down the truth. And the other thing that it doesn't mean is that they didn't hypnotize or entrance the human authors in order to dictate the right message. Instead, he supernaturally guided them toward what they were not always able to see and understand through their own power. They were limited in their vision, but they were never mistaken. This was the word of God. This was the word of God. And inspiration really encompasses not just the writing of the Bible, but the composition of it too, right? The compiling of it and the preservation of it. It was all done by the Spirit of God. So how do we know that that's the case? Well, how else could a book be completely true, accurate, consistent in all of its claims when it was written by using 40 different authors over 1,600 years on three different continents using three different languages? How? It's not a human invention. This was written by God. He gave it 
to us. But he doesn't just want us to learn the doctrines, right? He wants to have a relationship with us and have the Word of God change our lives. So how does the Holy Spirit use God's Word to daily impact our lives? The Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God. How can you understand what God's written in His Word? The Bible tells us that only the Spirit of God can know the thoughts of God. And yet, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. That's amazing, right? So when we are illumined by the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12 says that we are then made capable of understanding the wisdom of God. It's amazing, right? So the Spirit of God takes God's timeless truths, he makes them come alive in us, helps us to understand them, shows us how to implement them, and then he empowers us to accomplish those things. And here's what I want to say about this. The more scripture you know, the more that the Holy Spirit of God can use his word to lead your life. If you don't know scripture, you cannot be led in this way. This is how, when we talk about the Holy Spirit reminding us of things, bringing things up to our remembrance and revealing stuff to us, he does that through the word of God that's already in you. You have to have it in you in order for the Holy Spirit to lead you. So if you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, devote yourself to the word of God. And the second thing is that he speaks to us through his people. I cannot stress enough how important it is to surround yourself with godly people. Question, if you want to get to know somebody really, really well, what is one way that you can do that besides stalking them on Facebook, okay? <laughs> you can talk to their best friends, right? You can talk to them directly, sure, but you can also talk to their best friends, so find people who are close to God, have them share with you what they know about God. You will get some serious wisdom. We need people in our lives that know God's voice better than we do. You need it. And we still need to go to Scripture to check things that people are saying to us to see their truthfulness. It's good to just have this attitude of, I hear you, but let me check first, right? I hear you, but let me check God's word first. It's a good practice for all of us to adopt. So what kind of words does God use to speak to us through other people? Words of encouragement, words of admonishment, Words of teaching. It's what we're doing right now. He doesn't use those like passive aggressive statements to speak to people, right? He uses stuff from his word to speak to people. And the last thing is that God speaks to us through his story or circumstances. Sometimes you hear people talk about open and closed doors, right? An open door being something that it's pretty obvious that God wants you to step into, and a closed door being something that he obviously does not want you to step into. God uses these opportunities and circumstances to speak to us and to lead us. So sometimes God opening a door looks like a bunch of things falling into place really quickly at a very short rate of time, right? Sometimes. And maybe that has happened to you before with like a house, a car, or a job, and it's just blatantly obvious that God is the one who's doing that. So it's possible if that's happening for you, that that is an open door that God wants to use in your life, and you should walk through it. But be careful, because just because the door's open doesn't mean you should walk through it, right? The Bible's pretty clear that the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light, and that sometimes includes opening up doors for you. So you have to pay attention to that. Again, go back to God's word. Other times, it's really obvious that God is slamming the door shut in your face, and you should absolutely not walk through it. Again, when it comes to this topic, it's really, really important for us 
to know God's word. You don't necessarily have to have a clear chapter and verse on what to do, but there are clear wisdom principles that God gives to us to help interpret our circumstances and what God wants to do to speak through us. And one other, you know, area of this in regards to circumstances that I think is important to maybe pay attention to is what about those like repeated themes in your circumstances that just continue to annoyingly show up in your life? And what I mean by that is maybe you have a personality that you really struggle to get along with and it just seems like everywhere you go, God has someone for you that's just like that. Why do you think he has that? Why do you think he does that? Maybe he's trying to speak to you that there's something not in them, but in you. Whoa. Maybe I need to deal with something, right? So there's these repeated things. Or maybe God's been speaking to you for a while about inviting a friend, a neighbor, a coworker to church, and it just seems like one-on-one opportunities with them keep showing up. I can't get away from this person. And God is making it obvious, you know what to do give them an invite card, tell them to come to New Hope, right? They keep showing up in your life for a reason. So you got to pay attention to those things. The main thing I really want to understand as we close here is um, it's so important for us to bring all of this stuff together, right? Because what happens if you are obeying God in one of these ways, but you're ignoring the other ones? You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. A Christian that has a vibrant relationship with God seeks God daily in the clarity of his word and in the openness of the mysterious leading of the Holy Spirit. Both of those things, all of it together. So when you're seeking to be led by the Spirit of God, go to God's word, listen to what he's saying to your heart, get wise counsel, and look at the doors and opportunities that he is bringing into your lives. If you were to do those things, don't you think God would lead your life more? Amen? Here's what I want us to do. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And when we have these times of invitation, these times of response, it's, it's an opportunity for us to do business with God. You know, you may be here thinking, I hear people saying a lot that the Lord told them to do something. But I don't have that. I don't hear that. Why is that? Why am I not hearing from God? Well, a couple questions to consider. One, do you have the Lord? Do you have the Lord in your life? Are you seeking him? And are you seeking him in the ways that he would speak? Meaning, are you obeying what God has revealed in the Bible? Are you seeking to know more of God's will by diligently studying the word of God? And are you open to the Spirit's leading in your life? And if you are, and you still don't have clarity, be encouraged. Because God knows what's happening, even if I don't. Even if I'm missing it, God knows exactly what is going on. So if you're not doing these things, maybe today would be a great day to start. Maybe today you need to give your life to Christ and begin receiving his direction for your life. The only way, again, we said this earlier, to fix the lostness is to enter into that relationship with God. Would you come to him today? Would you ask him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life, to give him his spirit, or to give you his spirit? Maybe you need to start trusting God's leadership and leave things in his hands. We fight for control so much. And maybe we just need to let it go and let God do what he wants to do. 
Do you believe that in your heart? That God will actually lead your life better than you can? Maybe you need to stop being so hesitant about the Spirit. Just be willing to be open, be discerning, sure, but make a decision to be open to the Spirit of God and how He's leading you that might not fully make sense all the time. Maybe you need to get deeper in God's Word and prayer. Get serious about it. Maybe you're open, but you just feel like your life is all over the place. God has a firm foundation in his word that can lead and direct your life. And if you get serious about that, God will use it to lead you. God, I thank you for these precious people. So thankful that you do give us clarity, that you are bigger than we could ever understand, and that you live in us, and because of that, we can be led by you daily. Maybe there is someone here who has never given their life to you. They've never entered into a relationship with Jesus. We have people who would love to talk to them. And maybe even right now in their hearts, they just want to pray to you and say, God, I can't wait. It has to be now. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm messed up. I know I'm lost. Would you be my shepherd? Would you lead me in my life? so I can be with you and have you forever. God, wherever these precious people are at today, would you speak to them? Would you lead them? And as all of us are being led by you, would you do a powerful work in this church family? We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your truth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen.